Hello, today is Monday, October 23rd, 2023, and welcome to episode 266 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm Jessica Jones, and today I'm joined by NSI's founder and executive director, Jamil Jaffer, an NSI senior fellow and vest wearer today. I've never seen you wear a vest less. Thanks for putting that on. <laughs> I'm starting a trend. <laughs> I think it's been the had before, but that's trend. okay. Uh, that's we are missing Morgan Nina today, but don't worry, guys. She'll be back on Wednesday, so you don't have to wait too long to hear from her. So today we are talking about Nawaz Sharif, Pakistan's former prime minister, who returned from exile over the weekend uh, in a bid to regain power ahead of elections, which are expected to take place early next year. Um, elections comes at a time when the country's in one of the worst economic crises in its history. And of course, you know, last uh, summer, there was devastating floods that killed at least 1,700 and destroyed the homes of millions. Um, for his part, Sharif was found guilty. Why is he in exile? He was found guilty of corruption in 2018, sentenced to 10 years in prison and disqualified from holding public office ever again. The following year, he was granted bail to travel to London for medical treatment, and he did not return until this weekend. Uh, while you would think the he old, can't... The old bail in London trick. <laughs> old medical would, treatment in London move. And while you would think being disqualified to run from office ever again would be permanent, in fact, his legal team seems really confident um, on their appeal and that he will become the next prime minister for a fourth time. Analysts say this confidence is likely due to his team having brokered some kind of deal with the powerful military establishment to allow his return. Um, of course, who is running politics in Pakistan has been a headline that we talked about here on the show. Um, earlier this year, we talked about Imran Khan, another former recent prime minister who was arrested by uh, paramilitary forces on charges of corruption yet again. His arrest sparked massive protests across the country in Pakistan and major foreign cities. Um, some of the protests were violent. Some folks died. Uh, right now, Pakistan is being run by a caretaker prime minister who is in charge of making sure elections happen, but who's also spoken out. And in his speech at Unga, the interim leader said that Pakistan is charting a path designed to avoid getting caught between China, Russia, and the West. And just last week, we came out up with Chinese President Xi um, on during uh, the China's massive forum on Belt and Road Initiative. The two countries have a Chinese-Pakistan economic corridor that's being built with China investing over $62 billion in Pakistan. Okay, I'm going to first open the floor. Like, what do we make of his return? Is, I mean, does this mean the military is basically given the, the go ahead since, you know, he stepped foot on in the country this weekend? Jamil. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right, Jess. I think that uh, as we've long known, you know, and, and the old sagas, right, that uh, Pakistan is not a uh, a country with a military. It's a military with a country. Um, and this just demonstrates that, right? I mean, you know, look, uh, it, Nawaz Sharif was a friend of the of the military back in the 1980s when he was in office, uh, but he always had a strained relationship with them. Uh, in fact, the last three times he was in office, he was removed from office by the military. Um, and so the fact that he's back uh, means that he definitely has the military's blessing. Uh, but who knows how long it's going to last, right? He's going to have to form a coalition government um, with uh, with PTI, uh, Imran Khan's party. Um, it's not clear. It, this is assumed, by the way, he can run for election, gets elected. He almost really will not win enough of a majority to uh, because uh, his his party, the Pakistan Muslim League, just doesn't have the juice it had back when he left. Um, obviously, with all the with all the politics and, and economic challenges going on, they're not going to gain the kind of majority they need. And so he's got to form a government, which just means that the military will really run everything. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I mean, so I guess it doesn't really matter. Imran Khan, you know, uh, you know, Sharif's brother who just got kicked out of office, Shabazz Sharif or, or Nawaz. I mean, what else? Right. I mean, it's all, it's all the Pakistan military. Anyways, it's all the, the, the general headquarters in, in Rawalpindi anyways. 
I mean, Les, do you think it's whatevs? I mean, we had the military arrest Connor this year. Like, what, what do you make of this? Uh, well, I largely agree with you guys. Um, the, the, at the end of the day, it's the military that's calling the shots in Pakistan. Uh, I would just point out Imran Khan, who's in prison, uh, and who has like a whole variety of charges that are either pending or he's been convicted or he might not get convicted. I mean, he's dealing with uh, his, his lawyers are uh, making a lot of money. He remains hugely popular in Pakistan. Uh, and I think the military is worried about that. They view him as less controllable than Sharif. <laughs> Uh, so I think that is a big part of the explainer as to why Sharif is coming back here and looking like he may play a, a big role in Pakistan in the future. Um, Pakistan's economy is in the is in the tank. They've got runaway inflation. Uh, things are bad. Uh, let's not forget here. Pakistan has nuclear weapons. They've got uh, adversaries there on the Eurasian landmass right next door. They're right next to Afghanistan. Uh, it is it is a a potential powder keg that we should always be mindful of, and not be too dismissive about the things that are that are happening there. I uh, I think the administration, you know, I don't know if they've been playing this well or not. It's hard to tell because I think there's a lot of stuff going on beneath the surface. We need to be real clear eyed and real pragmatic about Pakistan because we we do have a lot of interest there, and it's. Um, you know, with b- between India and China and Afghanistan, things get very complicated. There's no doubt. There's this crazy three-dimensional political game going on inside Pakistan. U.S. needs to have good offices with a lot of folks we normally wouldn't like talking to. We've got to keep doing that, stay on top of things. Uh, Congress likes to get involved and kind of cut off aid to Pakistan every chance it gets. Maybe it's a good thing in this case that there is no Speaker of the House. Uh, and Congress can't kind of react too quickly to something that's happening in Pakistan. That might actually be a net positive right now with respect to the bilateral relationship. We'll see. So, you know, Pakistan says they're trying to stay neutral when it comes to the war in Ukraine, when it comes to China. But, you know, it does call China its strategic partner and all weather friend, which doesn't seem that neutral, I think, to probably policymakers here. I mean, do you I mean, do we think they're really trying to stay neutral do we think that's even possible? I mean, $62 billion in a built-in road initiative, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, I think this is part of Pakistan's sort of traditional game they play with the United States and everybody else. They play what they call the double game, right, where they, they love you on one side, but they play with your enemies on the other. And, uh, you know, Pakistanis have made a, have made a, a, a career or, or decades uh, out of doing just this, which is playing one player off against another and getting benefits from everyone. Um, and so, you know, I mean, look, they're, they're the ones who created the Taliban in Afghanistan and then had us pay them to fight the Taliban in Afghanistan. They created the Taliban and now the Taliban are conducting an insurgency. The, the Pakistani Taliban are conducting an insurgency inside of Pakistan against them. So, you know, it's, uh, and, and by the way, all of this, all of this goings on, right? The games with China, the games with the U.S., the, the insurgency domestically, the, the problems in Afghanistan over the border. The, the challenges with India, that all plays into, well, we need a really strong military with nuclear weapons that has real power. Um, and, you know, the problem with Nawaz Sharif really is that he hates being under military control. He doesn't like it. He likes to be his own man. And so, you know, every time he's done that, the military has punched him in the teeth. Um, maybe he'll learn his lesson this time. If not, he will soon end up in jail once again or back in London for another medical visit, I predict. Jones, it's this crazy situation in Pakistan where a really uh, populous guy with legal trouble is campaigning <laughs> against a career politician who might have some corruption issues. Meanwhile, oh the God. 
deep state is working behind the scenes to, <laughs> to secretly control what is happening. Gosh, does that sound vaguely familiar? It sounds like a fever, a fever yeah. swamp conspiracy theory, at least in part, yeah. and a lot of a lot. So that of, could never happen. Yeah, it could never happen in the United States. My brain yeah. can even comprehend. Unless you just blew my mind with that one. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Um, by blowing my mind, that's a wrap. Thanks so much to Alex Toki, Claude Jennings, and the NSI team for their help in producing today's episode. Join us again on Wednesday, October 25th, for another episode of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you smart fast on the National, National Security and Foreign Policy Debate Shaking Up America. We're now on YouTube, so check out what we look like. And if you like what you heard, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. 